L-A-S. The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. Oh my gosh, everybody. We are so excited. We have a huge announcement for you. December 17th, we have some cool stuff coming out on LAS Plus. What? Yeah, three bonus episodes. Count them. One, two, three. Three bonus episodes, Ooh. all DM'd by Jackson Parker. Oh, it is a wonderful three-episode arc about a uh, journey in a place called Haramore, where we all are playing as bunny people, oh, yeah. and we are we are going to a festival called Harvest Tide, and it is a beautiful and wacky and wonderful time, and we hope you enjoy it. And if you want all three, you can go over to LAS Plus and sign up for them right now, and. You know, also, oh, you can sign up for them right now. You won't get them right now. You'll get them on December You'll 17th. You'll get them on December 17th. Right, exactly. But you know what you will get right now? You'll get all of our episodes ad-free, and you'll also get them all at one time at the beginning of the month instead of having to wait the whole month for all of them to come out each week, huh. which is kind of cool. Very nice. And you can binge them all at once, and then you have to only wait three weeks. Wait, hold on. Yes, that's, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's about the binge watching. It's about the binging. The binging. <laughs> so thank you so much uh, for listening, and let's go get on over to the show. Hey, I'm Jake Trumper. And I'm Alex Schulte. And together, we're historically, historically inaccurate. inaccurate. And you can learn history with us because I'm kind of an expert. I'm not sure if expert's the word I would use. No, I, I'm ready to teach people history because, like, uh, ask me to name every president. But I know you can't. No, just ask me. I don't want to hear Washington, you do that again. John Adams, Thomas I, Jefferson, uh, James Madison, James Monroe, John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson. So Martin we're a brand new podcast distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. New episodes every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you can find your podcast. Jake, are you still going? Jake, just fast fast forward to the end. We are literally running out of time. Did you literally forget the president who is right now, Joe Biden? Joe Biden! I did it. I was in in my groove. Come and learn with us, everybody. Well, it's still kind of me. I'm kind of doing most of the... You couldn't even remember Joe Biden's name. I'm doing most of the teaching. It's mostly you. Thank you. (laughs) L-A-S. Hey everyone, Alan here. No, that's my line. No, hi everyone, I'm Alan no, here. No, I'm Alan. We're so excited to share this next leg of our journey with you. Um, if you want to keep up with all things Miria, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Myths of Miria. If you enjoy the show, consider sharing it with your friends. Or if you have the time, reviewing us on Apple Podcasts is a great way to show your support. And if you want to show us even more support, you can head on over to LASpodcastnetwork.com and sign up for LAS Plus, which comes with a whole mess of bonus content, ad-free episodes, and more. And there may be a bonus episode for us at the end of November. Uh, You'll have to stay tuned to know. Uh, Thank you all so much again for sharing the precious pieces of your time with us. And without further ado, welcome to Miria. Yay! Let's go! (laughs) Last episode, we traveled with our group into Ebonvale, a city built upon the fallen plateau of a mountain. As Arno and her went to investigate a new home with 867, we focused on Valros, Shadow, and Orion as they went to converse with the Guilden Guards, the family which, with 
with which Orion had a contact and a contract for a deed to a home in the tiefling quarter of the city. And they were the once parents of the woman who seemed to inhabit hers body before her. Arsenio Gildengard did not seem to take kindly to the fact that his daughter was no longer in the mausoleum and refused to fulfill his end of the bargain until he believed his daughter was returned to him. This spurred action in a dejected Orion, who decided it was time to put some more of the Vero who were involved in their group to ensure... Hmm, this last sentence sucked. <laughs> uh, let me say that one more time. I'm going to go back and do that sentence one more time. This spurred action in a dejected Orion, who decided it was time to get some more of the Vero involved to ensure he got what he needed. This time, we focus in on her as she travels with Arno back down the ramp that leads into Upper Ebonvale. The pair and 867 walk into the green grass that surrounds the roots of the western portion of the mountain as they journey on their way to meet Greya Willow, Arno's mother. Greya's house is inconveniently far away, but directly beneath the tiefling quarter. The ground is slick with mud from the nearby river and unpaved streets. As you come towards the house that Arno leads you to, there's many parallel lines and divots in the ground leading towards the door. The house is modest and moderately unkempt. It looks like someone who is unskilled in handiwork mm -hmm. has done many repairs on this building. Ah, I see. <laughs> Arno kind of uses his stick as he limps forward with this stiff walk that he has as mm -hmm. his... Uh, as his um, fused leg does not allow him to bend that knee on that mm -hmm. one leg. Um, in addition, the house is in perpetual shadow because of its position beneath the mountain outcropping above, leading to this to be a rather undesirable location for a home. As Arno approaches the house, he just opens the door mm -hmm. and he grabs it and throws it open. The interior of the house is a little claustrophobic, um, but immediately it's understood that everything is so close together because there are handholds everywhere for someone who's not great at walking to get around. You see a deep orange tiefling with dirty blonde hair. Um, it's difficult to ascertain her height, um, but she sits in a rickety wheelchair with caked mud on the wheels. Uh, the grooves leading to the door make more sense now, um, but she has identical antelope-esque horns to Arno, and they protrude a few inches above her temples. Her horns are also adorned like Arno's, but with fewer baubles and chains. Um, she wears a comfortable blue dress with a floral pattern woven into it, and you can see on her face that she too has the scars that run beneath her eyes, just like Arno has. However, hers are a little bit more pronounced than his. Um... Arno turns to uh, his mother, uh, Greya, who is sitting in this uh, this wheelchair, and he says, um, uh, Mother, uh, Lyra, I'm uh, sorry, um, her. Um, uh, uh, we're going to the new, we're going to a new house. Um, remember the one that I had promised you? Uh, and he looks down at his mother, um, and she returns up with a, ah, Yes, of course. Um, I'm very excited. Good, good to see. Um, Arno starts moving around the house and kind of uh, adjusting things here and there. And he says, um, we're going to go now, actually. Um, 
as soon as possible. Um, I'm going to pack some things for you, all, all right? And she just returns to him, yes, of course, dear, that's, that's okay. Um, and as she responds to him, she looks back to you and uh, her, mm-hmm. and she says, ah, um, are you, uh, are you the Lyra that, um, her. sorry? Her, my, my name is Her. Um, Your name is Her. People seem to think I'm somebody called Lyra, um, um, but no, my name is Her. It's nice to meet you, and she walks up and holds out her hand. Um, Greya extends her left hand out towards you, and she shakes yours as well. Um, you grab her hand. It's it's a little bit bony. Mm-hmm. Um, she definitely uh, is up there in age. Um, she looks as though um, she's lived a long and fulfilled life. Um, however, when she returns her hand back, she says, So my boy did or did not teach you magic? Um, He's very skilled. Well, she takes out her journal. According to this journal from Lyra, um, Arno did, in fact, teach her magic. Oh. Teach Lyra magic. Oh, gosh. Um, and they were really good friends. My confusion is a little... Um, it seems my confusion outweighs my um, manners today, but are, are you the daughter of the Gildengards? Well... I, I'm not, but whoever was Lyra was, and I can't really, I don't know anything about Lyra, I don't know anything about the parents, I don't know, I mean, I kind of just woke up, like, a couple days ago, and I don't really remember anything before that, so. She looks back at you with this kind of, like, moderately confused, like, her head is cocked a little to the side, (laughs) as she's kind of, like, squinting a little bit, she's a little confused at the complexity of the situation in which you paint to her. Um, Arno calls out as he's packing these different things around the house, and he says, Mother, she doesn't know the things you might think she might. She may look the same, and I I may have known her for someone who looked like her, but it's not the same person. This is a new friend. And Greya says, Well, whoever you are, I I thank the mistress that my son has new friends. And Arno responds with, Demia brings us blessings in many forms, sometimes those we do not expect. Um, who's Demia? Um, I'll tell you on the way. Um, and he kind of looks back over to you and he says, Sometimes I believe you are tricking me. You and, her, you and Lyra are very, both very inquisitive. Well, there's so much to see in the world. Also, um, she holds up him to Greya. Yeah. And says, I made a new friend. His name is him. Would you like to pet him? Uh, She looks out and she says, oh, yes, of course. And she reaches her hand out and him looks down with these wide eyes and he just goes, I just go, shh, it's okay. (laughs) She's a friend. He kind of lowers his head a little bit and she scratches him on the nog and you just hear this very like... I place him on her lap. He sits and curls, and she just says, Oh, this is very nice. I do like this this little one. You um, said it's him? Yes. And her? Yes. All right. And this is Abacus, and she points at the top of her javelin staff. Yeah, and as you point towards Abacus, it's almost as if he's called, and there's this very faint just... And the bird flits down and kind of pecks at him, and him goes... And, <laughs> and he scratches up, and Abacus flies back to the spear staff. Uh... 
You see a outside. The door is still open, and 867 goes, I am Unit 867. I am here to protect. And he just starts to try and step through the door, but his frame is a little too big for it. Oh, no. And he tries to move in, and he is going to roll a dexterity check to try and see if he can get through the door without breaking. I stand up, and I go, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, and run to the door. And he immediately, as he walks over, you just hear this... As no. the side of the door frame just snaps, and no. Arno looks back, he says, "Well, I've repaired that one in the past, so it's all right." Eight six seven says, "I am here to protect her, not this door." And he walks through. <laughs> <laughs> I was I walk up to him and I like rotate him so he isn't like his shoulders aren't square to the door. I rotate him so he's standing sideways, and I say, "Just do that next time." He says. Very well. I have learned a new technique for entering doors. Yeah. And immediately he just stands there with you and Arno says, um, we're actually leaving, 867. He oh. says, I shall now exit the door. And he crab walks through the door sideways. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, and Incredible. as he, he gets outside He's and learning. He, he stands there one-armed, uh, opening his arm outwards uh, to allow all of you to exit, Arno pushes through, and um, and has Greya pushing her through the the doorway. Mm-hmm. Um, the mud slick underneath her wheels. You can see that sometimes they don't even rotate because they're just sliding through this like thick layer of mud oh. because there's no sun to evaporate the water here, so it's just always in this perpetual slick. Um, and you start walking home with, um, with all of them. I was gonna say, if the wheelchair is dirty, I'll like take my mage hand out and use the cloak to kind of like wipe it off sure. as we're going. Um, it's hard because once the wheels start turning again, they start picking up more mud. Oh man. Um, this is the problem with living in the lowlands. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, as you exit, um, you hear Arno start to pipe up and just start going through his head uh, about what he wants to talk about. And he um, he returns back to you with, back to Demia. Um, our tieflings, or those who are here at least, are descendants of devils, chief most of which is um, Asmodeus himself. Mm. Um, the king of the Nine Hells. It's said that long oh. ago, Asmodeus freed us from being necessitated to return to the Nine Circles of Hell after death. A benevolent gift indeed. Um, and because of that gift, we worshipped him for years. We came here and built a church for him. That towering steeple in the distance. And he points up towards the side of the mountain face. And at the very edge, you can see this absolutely massive church. Like 400, 500 feet long hmm. of church. It's immense. Um, it's a the, mega church. D- definitely the largest church in the entirety. Like the large building in all of Ebonvale. Yeah. For sure. Um, being a god of lawful evil, the church interpreted his teachings as karmic in nature, and so we would do evils unto ourselves for free. And he gestures to the cut scars underneath his eyes. Uh, And we thought that if we hurt ourselves, we created unnecessary pain in the world, and in turn the world had unnecessary kindness to give to others. Well, it turns out this was all a trick, and we were all deceived. In truth, it was originally the goddess of death, Demia, that freed us from our plight. But Asmodeus took the credit, tricking us into worshipping him. And through that worship, we were cursed to return to the Nine Hills anyways. Because if you worship a, a 
Devil, wow. you go back to the circles of hell. That's rough. <laughs> yes. Recently, his deception was laid bare, and our unknowing curse to worship him and do ill unto ourselves was unmade. Hmm. I don't think I've cut under my eyes for months now. Almost six. It's a new experience. It's very oh. different. That's good. So, our leaders gathered us all up, those that were true to Demia and her cause, and led our people to Ewageza, or um, the Promised Land, in, hmm. in common tongue. Unfortunately, it takes a lot of walking to get there, and he motions towards his mother's wheelchair. Um, I decided, while I wanted to go, that I needed to take care of my mother, and that once a civilization was ready in Ewageza and the teleportation circle prepared, I would bring her there, arcanely, perhaps with the teleportation circle itself, and we would see it together. Um, I needed some money in the meantime, so that's why I joined up with Averro. Besides, it gives me a bit more time to see if I can find my father, and perhaps convince him to pay some recompense to my mother. Making her raise a child alone all these years has left my heart rather cold to him. Oh, I settle up next to him and give him a side hug. He appreciates it. Um, he kind of wraps his staff arm around you. Um, and um, he takes a pause. As At this point, you've walked all the way up the, the ramp mm -hmm. towards the top of Ebonvale. Again, back on that stone platform into the larger upper city. And you've started moving through um, the entirety of, of, of the city proper. Uh, I look at Arno and I just say, do you, should we take turns pushing? I can, you, you have, can I push? He kind of looks down Please. at you and he smiles very lightly. He says, of course. You can have two staffs and she hands him the broken javelin. <laughs> He grabs it from you, and he starts walking with both of them a little jokingly <laughs> as he as he moves forward. And he says, oh, this is much better. Yes, thank you very much. I can't believe I didn't know I needed do staffs until this point. You're like a super walker. Oh, now, now I know. Now, oh, yeah. It's much better. Mm -hmm. You know, I shall invest in a second staff very soon. <laughs> I wonder what happened to the broken part of it. Oh, whatever. Um, and... As you start moving forward, you find yourself passing by a large uh, set of stone walls. Mm -hmm. um, and you didn't notice it before, uh, but it starts to get a little colder beyond these walls. Um, just the temperature, the degrees drop, maybe just one or two. It's not a lot, but it's noticeable. Um, it's like a noticeable shift in comfortability. Maybe it was a little warm, a little humid, and it becomes a little colder, a little less humid here. Um, and you are currently walking into this new section of the town. And Arno says, yes, this is the tiefling quarter. So your house should be here soon. Um, what exactly is the Vero? Um, the Vero are a group of people that have desires to own many of the properties in the old tiefling quarter. But like, who are they? It's just a job. Um, oh. I, I needed the money, and they needed the help, so I decided to join up. She, like, leans in closer to him and just says, Are you going to tell me who your boss is? I don't know the boss. My boss is Orion. Oh. Ew. Sorry. <laughs> Not a fan. Well, I mean, he seems pretty cool. He just hired somebody to shoot me, and I'm not really going to forget that one, so... It seems like he hasn't hired anyone to shoot you after he met you. The fact that he did really is going to stick with me, though. 
I think that's uh, that's fair. Um, Orion's a character. Um, you could say that. If he doesn't know you, it's like you don't exist. But when he's near you, and if he knows you're his friend, he has very different opinions. Um, hmm. If you actually mean something to him, it's very hard to get him to be your enemy. So he's loyal? In a way. To people that he really likes, but if he doesn't like you, he's... It's like you don't exist. You're just a number. Oh. Maybe I should do something to make him not like me. If you want to be a number. I'll be invisible. (laughs) Um. You... As you step further in here, um, you... You feel like there is a ton of space that you look around at. Like, the city is, is huge. There's so much to take in. These houses that are nearby, you, you, you look at them, and they, even though they seem large to you, looking at them in comparison to this church is just incredibly, incredibly dwarfing. Huh. And as you look over towards the church, it's like hundreds of feet high, right? Mm-hmm. It's like maybe maybe a hundred maybe a hundred feet tall, right? Yeah. Uh, the massive steeples that are at the front of it. Um, and as you turn down this next street, Arno says, "Yeah, here," and he points towards this one house. <gasps> we got a house. Yes, for free, <laughs> no money at all. Just yeah, you didn't have to do anything to get to that house. Nothing at all. There was there was no requirement. I said no money. I didn't say no murder. <laughs> no. Yes, definitely. There was Not some. There was a small amount of murder to get there. Well, I didn't kill anybody, so I just had to stand there and cast a spell. Yeah, actually two spells. And I got a free cat. Like this what, what more could you want? The house is made of worked dark blue brick and white stone, and it has many windows. It also has a large, dark, wooden fence that reigns in a slightly raised front porch that extends maybe like 10 or so feet out from the front door. Hmm. It has a sizable garden on the right side of the house, and the roof is made of that same wood as the fence, cut into slatted shingles. Greya spots the garden, and she just says, Oh, I've always wanted a garden. I'm so excited. And she's petting him as he sits in her lap and him just makes this very low oh that's a good cat that's a good cat um arno looks towards you and he says um would you like to be the first and he offers you a set of keys she says which key it's this one and he points towards one of them and he says and that's the back door (gasps) okay and she takes it and this is the side and he points towards the third one. Oh, there's so many keys. Okay. And she takes the front door one and holds it up and just forgoing her staff in the wheelchair. Sorry. She just like goes pat, 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 all the way up to the front door. And <laughs> you like, cross that front deck, that raised uh, 10 foot wide deck, yeah. and you immediately get up to it. This actually kind of nice door. Um, it has some very intricate detailing in it, um, but it has no handle. What? Yeah. On the. Can I knock on the door? Coom, coom, coom. Hello. Oh wait. Arno it's, it's returns house, from wait. behind you. He says, 
Huh, this is your house. You have to open the door. Right. Um, but there's no... And she, like, makes a handle <sighs> gesture. Yes. Uh, the one thing is, tieflings actually never used door handles because they had magic that they all knew innate to them that would open the doors for them. Special door opening magic? Yes. It was called thaumaturgy. Oh. Yes. And so... They just opened the doors after they unlocked them, so you're going to have to figure out something for that. Maybe we can have door handles installed, so... I bring out my little mage hand. It's like a spectral blue floating mage hand, and I just press it up against the door and, like, slide it. You you put the key in, you unlock the door, and you press against the door, and it does open inwards. But, for oh. example, if you were to pull it, there's no handle to pull on to oh. close it. That's embarrassing. Yeah. So, we need to put a sign up that says push. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Her first first new house activity, make sign that says push. I got to figure out how to write better, though. My handwriting is still atrocious. Yeah, yeah. Pens are new to you. so um, Everything is new everything's to me, Alan. New. Yeah, that's fair. Literally everything. <laughs> the inside of the house has walls made of a light tan stucco bordered by dividers of dark oak. The floor is made of a lighter stained hardwood that is divided into V-shaped perpendicular designs. And as you open this door and you push it open, you hear this loud... As 12 of those ring out from the church to the south of you. The large steeples have these bells that ring reverberating and Arno says oh must be noon as 12 of them ring out what was that that was really cool and he points over towards the steeple he says that's the church it keeps time you hear all of those bells if you hear 12 it means it's noon because it's it's the 12th 12th hour huh it does that every day all day. Every day, all day. Oh, it's got to get annoying, huh? <laughs> it's better than the alternative. Um, if you have no timekeeping at all, it's very difficult to, um, you know, understand your duties. If you have to be somewhere at some time, it's better to have something that keeps time for you. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Also, Arno, look. She puts a hand on her arm and just, like, looks around the room. As you look around the room, uh, you are immediately greeted with a living room on the west side of the building that connects to a dining room just beyond. Moderately decorated with some furniture, but nothing gaudy enough to make it feel um, personalized. A few dark blue couches face a low table in the living room, and a scuffed elm table lies at the center of the dining room, perhaps left by the last tenant, but it's now yours. Um, As Greya pushes up onto the deck... Um, with the help of Arno, you see he uses a small amount of his magical ability to immediately wick away some of the, the dirt and mud that is on the wheels mm-hmm. of her uh, of her wheelchair. N- now, her wheels are completely clean, and she is able to enter the house without worry of dirtying it. Mission accomplished. Yes, definitely. Dude, she's standing there and just, like, vibrating visibly. She's so excited. Yeah. We should say each other's names instead to throw everybody off. Oh, that's a great idea for the trailer. All right, here we go. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Shane. Oh, my God. You guys really are doing it, aren't you? (laughs) All right, I'm Jeremy. 
I'm Mike. What, you're still doing the false names thing? I feel like we already have a trailer going right now. This is like a fourth grade elementary school joke. Hey, everybody, I'm Shane, Mike, and Jeremy. And I'm, oh, wait a minute. You guys are throwing me off with the name thing. Hey, I'm Shane. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Mike. And this is the Groove Live Podcast. We're talking all things groove. Music. Food. Friends. Beer, even. All of it. Whatever brings groove into your life. How about like a tattoo artist? Would that be kind of groovy? I I would file that under groove. Construction projects. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, come on. Here's the thing. We have a lot of friends in a lot of different avenues and a lot of different lifestyles, which means that we have a lot of cool resources to pull from of cool people that have cool stories. Every day, you get out of bed. What makes you feel alive? You know, what makes you want to own the day? Coffee. Rock music. Pokemon. Construction projects. (laughs) And you'll hear it all right here on the Groove Life Podcast. The Groove Life Podcast is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. New episodes release every second and fourth Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For bonus episodes of this show, ad-free versions of all LAS podcasts, and many other exclusive benefits, all while supporting local creators and businesses, consider subscribing to LAS Plus for just $10 a month. To learn more and get started, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com slash plus. Hey guys, we're going to have a blast. Can't wait to see you guys on the Groove Life Podcast. We can't wait to groove with you. Now that sounds dumb. L-A-S. Hey, I'm Logan. Hey, I'm Logan. You're supposed to say that you're Tim. Don't tell me what to do. You're not my real dad. (laughs) We're the hosts of a brand new podcast called From One Dad to Another. Each week we tackle a new topic, interview local professionals, and attempt to decode modern parenthood one dad joke at a time. So make sure to join us every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. From One Dad to Another is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more on our independent podcast network, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. And if you want to support the show and get some bonus content, behind-the-scenes looks, and even get the show ad-free, you can become a member of our Patreon over at patreon.com slash LASPodcastNetwork. And if you don't, I won't be mad, but I will be disappointed. (laughs) Oh, and one last thing. You're doing great, and I'm proud of you. L-A-S. Uh, there's more of the house to ex- explore. There's uh, yes. an extent. Uh, there's a, a, a walkway that goes down a little further. Is there other stairs? There are no stairs in this house. It's, it is a one-story house. I am absolutely just like galloping around. Not okay. actually galloping, yeah. but like that's the energy. She's just yeah. like running around, like, oh my gosh, this place is so cool. You're telling me people live in these things all the time and you get to hang out and you get to make food together and you get to tell stories and listen to the big chimes on the church and oh, this is so cool. Arna was just standing in the in the door beaming at you. Um, She's just running around from room to room. Roll me an insight check. Okay. I need to remember what my insight is. It's probably not that good. <laughs> it's totally fine. No worries. Insight, you don't necessarily have to be good at Ooh, insight. Goodness gracious. Wasn't good anyways. <laughs> um, insight. <laughs> Seven. Yeah, uh, I would say that you as her don't really notice this, um, but for the listeners at home, 
Um, Arno looks at you with this incredible smile, but there is this moment of kind of like lost pain behind it as he looks at you being this incredibly joyous woman. Um, there's something that he's recognizing in this moment that is evoking something in him that he is struggling with. Mm. Um, however, he just says, please, of course, um, continue. Um, go on, please, explore. Um, Greya looks up towards Arno and has this very light smile on her face. Where's the garden? Um, I believe the garden was just back outside. You point, like, Arno points and she's immediately just like... You bolt back outside and you find that there is a garden full of, like, these, like, kind of unkempt uh, planters that are there. Mm -hmm. And most of it is... uh, there's not really any viable plants here, save for one at the very edge of the um, the side of it. There seems to be this tomato vine that is crawling across the fence that seems to have reclaimed some portion of it that is actually bearing some tomatoes. Yeah, so she goes... Yeah, and you see those tomato, tomato plants. plants. Um, she just like waddles outside and she's like, oh no, who did this to you? And she like crouches down and like pokes at some of the plants. It doesn't look good. Most of them are dead. However, they do look like they're falling into the planters and creating fertilization for what might be new plants. She walks over to the tomato plant and just like starts poking at it. And he's like, what are you? And she like holds a leaf and like turns it over. And then are there tomatoes on it? Yeah, there are. They seem very healthy. And actually, a couple of them seem ripe enough to pick. She picks a couple. Okay. There are only a couple, so you pick all of them? Yeah. Okay. And then she looks at it. Yeah. And seriously holds one like an apple and takes a straight bite out of it. You take a bite out of it. It is juicy and fresh and pretty good. She just goes, oh, and like dashes back into the house. Is the door still open or does she need to open it? The door is still open. Actually, in the garden, you would be able to see as you move into the garden, there is a side door that leads into the house from the garden. Okay, she just busts in the side door and Okay. Are you go up and you try and bust into the side door and it is locked. Oh no, my tomatoes. And she's still holding the other one and puts it back in her little pile and casts Mage Hand on the door. Okay. I'm assuming you use the keys to unlock this door. Oh, I keep forgetting there's keys because yeah, there there's are, magic in this yeah, world. There's, there's keys to unlock Why would you need a key if you have magic? <laughs> well, they want to keep their houses safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, people breaking into these houses, stealing all the furniture. That's a bad thing. All right, all right. I just put the key in. You put the key in. And you then push I the like door open. bust the door open and I'm just like, oh no. <laughs> Wait, actually, I have food in my mouth, so I'm just like, oh no. As you uh, walk, into this portion of the house um, you see four doors that are right here in this small hallway uh, and it cur- it moves up to your right and then turns left she just swallows and goes oh no over here back in the uh, family room I follow the, his voice back you exit out back through that hallway that you just newly found and as you do so you find yourself um, in a family room that is beyond the wall of the dining room that you saw earlier. Um, It has a two-walled kitchen in it, and in the northwest corner of this, you see a small reading nook that is nestled into a large bay window. Um, Two slightly larger dark blue upholstered chairs sit in front of a fireplace that is cold and unlit on the northern wall. 
I just go, hmm, and I hold up a tomato. He looks and he says, oh, you're eating them like apples. Um, well, very good. I hope you're enjoying them. This is the third food I've ever had. It, oh my gosh, this is my favorite food. I'm glad. Um, perhaps we can grow more. Greya looks and she says, um, actually, if you um, take some of those uh, seeds out and give them to me, I can plant them again. She looks at her half-eaten tomato. and You like, see these small seeds that lace the inside of it. She, um, this is like a table to put the tomatoes on. Yeah, there, there is a small table in the center of the kitchen. And there's, remember, there, that kitchen is two-walled, mm-hmm. so there's like countertops that you can put them down on. Too. Okay, well, I'll go put the tomatoes on the counter. Yeah. And then take out my dagger. Yeah. And just hold it uncomfortably and mm-hmm. just like hand-shaking with surgical <laughs> precision, just cut this tomato open yeah. and try and, like, find seeds. You just grab out a, a bunch of the seeds. Um, I would say over the course of these two tomatoes, yeah. you're able to find roughly maybe, like, 12 seeds, which is a fairly good amount. I just know someone's going to come you, in the comments and be like, actually, tomatoes have, like, 15 seeds Yeah, each. well, you Is ate me? some of them, so uh, sucks for you, commenter. <laughs> Fair. You grab them all out, and you kind of... Um, Take a moment to just uh, pick them and, mm-hmm. and hand them over to Greya. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you do so, um, she grabs them and says, Oh, uh, wonderful. I, I, I will um, take these to the garden um, when I'm ready. There's a lot of um, kind of dead-looking plants. Well, old life fosters new life. There's something like that. Sounds um, poetic. There are those other four doors as well, uh, if you'd like to explore those. Sure. Um, where's my D4? Let's pick a door. Okay. Okay. One of them is a double door. So there's a double door and then... And then three other normal doors. So four will be the double door. Okay. Two. Two. You walk towards one of the rooms in that area that you came in from the garden from. Yeah. And... As you open this door, you find just a large wooden basin in the middle of the room. And it seems as though there's like these wooden slats on the ground that drain out underneath the house. Weird. I put my head in the basin and go, hello? The basin is wooden and there is a flat bottom to it. And so you scream into the flat bottom, hello? Oh, weird. And I waddle back out into the area with the four doors. Yeah. Let's see where I go next. Okay. Uh, four. You walk over to those double doors. Um, you press them open, and in here you find a main bedroom, um, and it seems to be furnished with a queen-sized bed made with maroon covers over eggshell-colored sheets and pillows. Um, it also has an extra door to the east wall, and as you go over and you open that door, um, there's a small washroom with another stone wash basin in it hmm. instead of the wooden one you found in the other room. I'll take my boots off. Yeah. It feels natural. Um, and then go up to the bed mm-hmm. and just like flop. Yeah. Onto you it. flop. Boom, boom. You like very lightly bounce on the bed. And she's just like, oh, this is way better than those bedrolls <laughs> and that coffin. And she like pulls the blankets back and like just dives underneath the covers and is just like, Oh, this is so nice. Oh, this is so nice. And she just, like, makes herself a burrito and just says, Oh, no! He 
walks into the room, just staff just clanking against the wooden floors, and he looks towards you and he says, You've made yourself comfortable. She pokes her head out of the blankets and says, It's comfy! Yes, um, I'm assuming that your previous sleeping arrangements haven't led you to be very comfortable and nearly as much as these would. Alan, how comfy is it? Uh, make me a comfy check. Okay. Ten. Ten? Man. Even with a ten? This is the comfiest thing you've ever been it's in. It's got a good modifier. Even though, good. even though you've been in a very comfy coffin. Damn. This is a, a comfy bed. I slept even better than the dead, <laughs> yeah. huh? All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. She's just like, do people sleep in these all the time? Uh, yes, if they own them. But we own this. Yes. This is my bed now. You hear a calling from out in the, the hallway. You hear Greya say, Arno. And Arno uh, looks over towards him. He says, excuse me. And he motions over towards, um, he starts walking towards his mom. She just whispers, it's her bed now. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, he pushes the, uh, the wheelchair into the doorway. 867 is just like clomping around this house the entire time. You just hear this loud, just like, um, and every time he enters one of these doorways, he squats down a little bit and crab walks through the doorway. Love that. Uh, and so far, he hasn't broken any doorways, good. which is good. He's learning. That's yeah. good. Good, good, good. Um, he slowly crab walks into your room and he says, is this a sound and protectable room? And he looks around, and he says, There are too many windows. Danger. No, 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 no. It's, it's, you're supposed to have windows, I think, so you can see outside, so you don't feel like you're trapped. People can shoot through windows. Danger. No, well, she just pats the bed next to her and says, You want to come see how comfy this is? I shall apprehend the... No! We are safe. Is this bed a danger? No. He comes over. Come sit. And he carefully plonks down on the bed, and it immediately <laughs> snaps the left leg of the front of the bed. Oh, God. He says, I do weigh quite a large amount. I forgot about that. Sorry, buddy. You're going to have to get off. I am getting up. This bed is unsafe. Yeah. It has broken. No, you're unsafe because you sat on it. I'm a danger. No. I'm not a danger. You're a danger to the bed, I'm but a, not to me. I'm... He crab walks out of the room. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. He enters the family room and you hear him clomping away. All right, should I roll for another room? As uh, Arno pushes uh, pushes Greya into the doorway, he says... Um, I think there's a f two other rooms here, so I'm going to just find one for my mother. Well, you know, she's... Oh, wait, actually, the bed just broke. Never mind. Yeah, go for it. All right. Um, Sorry about that. he pushes her through the hallway. Okay. You want to check out the other room? You need to go check out another room? Yeah, man. Okay. You exit, um, and you don't see where Arno went in which one of these rooms, um, but go ahead and uh, explore. Three. Three. Uh, you go to the one that's just on the, the easternmost wall of this house. Mm -hmm. You open up the door, um, and the smaller bedrooms both have double-sized beds with green covers on them. That same eggshell egg white um, set of sheets and pillows. Hmm. This looks like a Valros bed. 
Yeah. Is it a small bed? It's a it's a like a double sized. So it's not small. It's bigger than like dorm beds, but it's it's a very comfortable size. That's a valve bed. Yeah. And there's another bed in the room. No, there's no other bed in this room. There's okay. another bedroom. I was like, if there has to be a bunk bed for Shadow and Val. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think Val is definitely a top bunk kind of person. Yeah. Where do you, do you go there's and explore the- There's one room left, so- Okay. Gotta, you go and go explore there. the last room, and- Roll in the ship? You open the door, oh. and it's the same bed. That, that same small green bed, that double size- Pretty normal. Nice other other extra bedroom. Cool. Do I notice anything peculiar about it? Not about the bedroom. Do I notice anything peculiar in general? That was ominous. It's kind of quiet. Is it too quiet? You don't hear any clomping or any creaking of a wheelchair. A six seven. Anno? You hear no response. Him? She turns around. You turn around, you, you're in the hallway. Can I look outside? Where? Is there a window? There's a couple windows. In the hallway? Uh, in the hallway, no. There's no windows. Don't like this at all. Oh, you feel like... It was so odd because, like, the moment before this happened, you felt, like, immense joy. Yeah. And then it just became really quiet. Um, I go and try and find Arno and Greya. You look through the whole house, door after door after door, and you go back to your bedroom. Make me an investigation check. Oh, oh I don't like this. Investigation? Yeah. Fifteen. Fifteen. You check around for a moment. You check in the washroom. You go back and you look back through the doorway. And you start to close the door because you close the doors that you've looked in the rooms of to make sure you don't look in them again. And as you do so, you start to close it and you look at the bed. And the left foot of the bed is not broken. What? Um, she sort of stands there and, like, starts shaking a little bit. She just looks around, wide-eyed. Uh, shit. Arno! You call out his name again. You don't hear anything. Right as you yell Arno, you hear... Twelve times. And you run outside. You throw the door open with your mage hand. And walking up to the front of the door, you just see a very confused Arno pushing his mother in a wheelchair. And he turns around and he looks behind him. And he looks back to you. He says, How did you do that? Do what? I haven't even... And he holds out the keys in his hand. Can I hold up my keys? You hold up your keys, and as you try and grab for them, they're not there. 
We just took a tour of the house. What are you talking about? I just, we just got here. I was in the house and we had walked around and I ate a tomato like an apple and you said that was really weird. And, and 867 broke the leg of a bed and the, the chimes on the bell tower went off 12 times and you said it was like noon and we went around the whole house and it was really cool and I shared all my joy with you and you seemed to really like it and I don't know. 867 looks over to you and he says, I have failed in protecting you. I must stand next to you. And he walks up. Boom, 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 boom. And he crab walks through the door and stands right behind you. She just wrings her hands together and is like, I don't know what just happened. Um, but you said the bells keep time, right? Yes, um, I, well, I haven't told you that. But they do keep time, right? Yes. It, it just hit noon. She, like, stares at the floor and is just like, I think I just went back in time. What? Yeah. I don't know how. Tell me everything. And he walks inside the house. Val and Shadow, you have been walking for roughly ten minutes through Ebonvale with Orion at the head of your party, navigating you through the streets of this large upper city. Shadow, while you have been getting the odd glance of unfamiliarity here and there from denizens of the city, it's nothing that you haven't encountered on your travels thus far. Orion, spearheading this journey, has not spoken in some while And while no words escape his lips, his message is clear. There are actions to be taken, and he is taking them. This is probably the first time you have ever seen him truly mad. And he walks with fierce purpose. Though you know not what the purpose is, you find it reasonable to surmise it is somewhere between contempt for Arsenio's treatment of her and frustration at not respecting a signed contract. After some tense few more minutes, you find yourselves on the central thoroughfare of the city, directly aligned with the magnificently gigantic Gothic cathedral that is some ways away, framing it with the sight line from all of the buildings between here and there. You pass into the tiefling quarter of the city, divided off with stone walls that have been had their gates removed. Passing through the arches of these walls, Val, you instinctively pull up your collar as the temperature seems to gradually drop a few degrees. As the buttress of the carved stone cathedral gets closer to you, its sheer size becomes extravagantly pronounced. Windows of pure stained glass framed in curved dark metal obviously created by a skilled craftsperson. Masonry carved into delicate curves that frames the windows and doors that look so natural they could be petrified waves breaking over the surface of the stone. Twin oaken doors, standing at a proud 20 feet above the ground, lay as what can only be described as bulwarks between you and the interior of this building. Orion marches up to them with a fervent desire, and he achieves passage beyond, and he begins to step inside. 
As you step beyond the cullis of these doors, your eyes are met with an unearthly glitterance of light, as all of the windows of stained glass create shafts of rainbow-colored light that simultaneously pass through the heart of this building. You try and meet your eyes with the back portion of it, but you're unable to gauge its length to a true amount, because your eyes meet with sky as you realize that the back of this church seems to be under construction of some kind, and it is currently exposed to the air of the day, though you could probably surmise the interior of this building is greater than 400 feet long. This church does seem repurposed, however, as it is obviously no longer a place of worship. Many of the pews that once lanced themselves down the center of this echoic chamber are pushed and stacked to the left side of the hall, obviously at one point able to hold many people. These spaces in which they used to sit are now replaced with workstations of all kind. Various tents and rest areas also seem to be blocked off, forming a makeshift community house for those who currently occupy the space. Valros, at the sight of all of this occurring, you find yourself a little tense, being taken back. Um, you know, this room, which held so much weight in the past, feels unfamiliar to you now. In addition to the aforementioned reclamation of the hall beyond, you see beyond you, just beyond the doors you recently passed through, a staunch desk helmed by a light blue-skinned tiefling woman, cluttered with many pink and white papers. The desk is flanked on one side by a seated guard, their race and gender hidden by an angular steel helmet, as the rest of their body is also covered in impeccable steel armor. Well, they have a large white bear pelt cloak that rests around their shoulders and a length of silken rope tied to their belt. Held relaxed in their grip, but always at the ready, is a familiarly designed frost-laden sword, currently sheathed. The tiefling woman has curling ram horns that twist over her hair, and distinctly, no scars beneath her eyes. She has pupilless dark eyes that glance up from her pages with a delayed moment of recognition as they meet the gaze of Orion. She stands with a teasing stature and taunting smile, speaking with a lilting calm voice. Ah, Orion, good to see you, old friend. Who are these fine people that you bring into my small office? Do you bring me any gifts? And Orion motions back, and he says, Ah, this is Shadow and Valoros. They were extremely helpful in my acquisition of all your gifts. And she returns, Ah, very nice to meet you both. And Orion shuffles through his bag and clinches a few more pink papers out of it and adds them to the ones on the table. And he says, These are the deeds that I could get, Nefreya, including the ones held by the Imperator of Blackwater. The tiefling, now given to you with the name Nefreya, starts counting through them all. One, two, three, all the way up to eleven. And she returns back, Only eleven? I thought we had a plan for all twelve. Orion returns, Though all necessary specifications have been met, Arsenio refuses to give up the last deed. You can check. All requirements specified on our copy have been held up to satisfaction. We went and checked on the mausoleum and reported back just as he asked, yet he has refused to hand over the deed. I tried to persuade him that getting you involved would not be in his best interest, but he seemed to be adamant. The smile fades from her lips. 
What a righteous prick. Can't give up control of anything for less than an arm and a set of magic laurels, can he? That's quite unfortunate for him. But I appreciate your work, Orion. And she will as well. She stands up from her desk and stacks all the papers together in neat bundles before seating them in a large wooden briefcase, clearing off the table of all documents. Nefreya hands a briefcase, that same one that she just put all these documents in, to the armored guard sitting next to her. And she says, Please, take this to my private office. I need to gather the others. It seems as though I have unruly citizens to attend to. And you hear church bells start to ring. Twelve of them. It's noon. 